Um, okay, so Dan, last week, you began uh, your message last week by asking us, um, what are we trying to activate? And I think over the last few weeks, there have been a number of things that we've been activating. In the first week, we looked at activating kind of power and passion and purpose. Uh, Fru then spoke to us about activating uh, a knowledge that comes from hindsight and from foresight. Dan last week looked at activating the opportunity that comes up, that comes our way. Be ready for it. You know, we ask God for opportunities. He gives them to us, and we need to be ready to respond to those opportunities. Today, we are looking at activating health. Help, okay? Activating help because we all need help, right? I need help, you need help. Now, I'm not very good at asking for help. Are you any good at asking for help? Are you? That's good. I'm terrible at asking for help. You probably won't believe me, but I can be a bit stubborn uh, in this. You obviously do believe me, um, but I can, when it comes to asking for help, I like to, I like to do things myself. I, I think if I'm asking for help, then it makes me less of a person, right, because I've asked for help, which is not true. It's stupid, right? It's really dumb. Let me give you an example about this. Uh, it's not so much of a problem these days, but back in the day, before we had sat-nav, if we were driving somewhere new or driving in a place I've never driven before, I might get lost. And Fru, who doesn't have the same issue as me, would say to me, you should stop and ask somebody for directions. You should ask for help. And I, of course, would go, no, I can do this. I've got this. You're pointing at somebody there. Um, yeah, you mustn't point at people, Elaine. Um, yeah, I've got this. In fact, what I heard, when Fru said to me, you should ask for help, what I actually heard was, you're a lousy husband. You've ruined our trip. You've got lost again. I need to go out there and find a better man who will help me do this. That's what I heard. And that's not what she said, but that's what I heard when she says, you need to ask for help. And I'll go, no, 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 I've got this. I don't need to ask for help. I can do this by myself. I will, I will drive around for an hour until I find the right road. I will just keep driving. In fact, what I'm going to do is drive to a petrol station. Did anybody do that? Drive to a petrol station. Not so I can ask the guy at the garage, but so I can buy a map. So I can do it myself. In fact, in our loft, I've got a big box filled with maps from towns all over the country that I've probably used once and are now obsolete. All because I'm stubborn and I won't ask for help. Let me give you another example. A couple of years ago, there was a sound coming from our car. Like... It was not a good sound. You know, you know, obviously, cars make sound, but it was not a good sound. And I could hear this sound, and it was getting worse and worse. And right at the start, Fru said, you should ask John. He said, you should ask John. John's an AA man. He will help you. And I said, no, no, I don't need to ask John. I can figure this out. <laughs> Why would I need to ask John? Okay, what I heard was, you're a lousy husband. I need to find a man who can help. <laughs> a very nice man. Uh, but... In the end, I didn't ask John, but John heard the car in the car park, and he came up and he said, you need to uh, put more power steering fluid in. I was like, is that it? He said, that's it. Half an hour later, £3.50 later, the car is purring like a cat, like it's beautiful. Uh, thank you, John. John is a great help. And now you all know that, now you all know, um, anything is possible with the right help. Anything is possible. That's what I found. With the right help, anything is possible. And every one of us needs help. In fact, if you look right at the very beginning of the Bible, 
right at the beginning of creation, God did it's all, his, all his creating. He made the animals. He made the trees. He made humans. And what did he say? He made it and he said, it is, it is good. He looks at everything he had made. He said, he's good. And he looks at mankind who he'd made and he said, that is very good. But there was one thing that wasn't good. Remember what he said? He said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Man, <laughs> that dude needs some help. God knew that we needed help. And it's still true. He knew it from the beginning. He knows it now. Unfortunately, we don't always know it. And we don't always ask for the help that's available uh, to us. So we're working our way through Acts. And right now, we're in what is arguably one of the most important chapters in the book of Acts. We're in the middle of chapter 2. Okay, now there are, there are organizations and churches and um, uh, kind of all sorts of uh, uh, sermons have been preached on Acts 2. There's organizations that are called themselves Acts 2 churches or Acts 2 organizations. It's a really important chapter in the life of the church. Um, why is it so important? Well, it's because it represents kind of the birthday of the church. It's when the church started. Acts 2 represents the birthday of the church, the birth of a new age. Some people call it the age of the church. And that's the age that we're living in now. That started on the day of Pentecost when God sent his Holy Spirit and will end with the return of Jesus. And we're in this period of time now, the age of the church. God knew that in this age that we would need his help. In order for us to live the kind of life that he's calling us to live, in order for us to fulfill his plans and his purposes in our lives, he knew that we would need help. In order for us to fulfill the Great Commission, we looked at this a few weeks ago from Matthew 28. Uh, he says, go, into, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And it's kind of similar to what we read in Acts 1.8 a couple of weeks ago. And it's kind of our key verse for this series. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In both of these verses, in both of these statements that Jesus makes to his church, we can see that in them he has implanted help. In the first one he says, I am with you always. You've got to do this, but don't worry because... I am with you always. And then in the second one, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You're going to have the Holy Spirit, you're going to have help in order to go and make witness, be my witnesses all over the world. So in both cases, Jesus is giving us this mandate and he's telling us there's going to be help involved as well. But before we jump into uh, today's passage from Acts 2, I just want to track back a little bit. We're going to go back uh, a bit in the Bible to uh, seven weeks before this day, before the day of Pentecost. Now, seven weeks prior to this day is that night, that evening, when Jesus is about to get arrested and he's about to be tortured and crucified. But before he is tortured and crucified... Sorry, I think, um, I think you're pressing the buttons there, Grace. Yeah, it's Toby. Toby's there. Okay. Um, uh, before Jesus is arrested and crucified, he is talking to his disciples, and he's got a few things that he wants to tell them, some important instructions, some important truths. 
And we find it in John chapter 14. I haven't got it on the screen, uh, but I'm just going to read it to you. And what I want you to do is to, just to really lean in as I, as I read what Jesus said. These are his words to his disciples on the night just before he gets arrested. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The helper will teach you everything and will cause you to remember all that I told you. The helper is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. So Jesus starts this by saying, I'm going to send to you another helper. And do you remember a few weeks ago we unpacked that word another? Because in English we have one word, another. And in Greek we have, there are two different words that are translated another. There's the word alos and the word heteros. The word heteros means another of a different kind. And the word alos is another of the same kind. And the word here he used is alos, which is another of the same kind. Basically what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to send you another just like me. I'm going to be with you because the Holy Spirit is going to come. This helper is another and is exactly the same as having me with you. But he's going to be with you permanently. He's going to be in you permanently. You're going to be able to listen to him all the time. He's not going to go away from you. I'm going to send you another helper. And so it's the word alos and the word helper, parakletos, which is like somebody who comes alongside you. And helps you and assists you. Somebody who encourages you. Somebody who's your advocate. Somebody who just is your friend and helper. That's who I'm going to send. A helper. To help you. Do what you need to do. I'm going to send you a helper. So we have this helper available to us. And we need to understand this truth. And we need to activate this. In our life. So, how does the Holy Spirit help us? How is He a helper? Well, we're going to go back to Acts chapter 2 now and we're going to see what happens on the day when the helper arrives, when the Holy Spirit comes. We saw last week uh, that Daniel kind of set the scene. You've got all the believers. There's 120 of them, people who have been following Jesus. Jesus has gone to heaven. There's 120 of them left and they're all in a room and they're doing what Jesus told them to do, which is to wait. Wait for the helper. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And they're doing that. And they're singing. He said they're singing praise to God. And they're praying. And they're in the room. Meanwhile, outside of the room in Jerusalem, there's all sorts of mayhem going on. Because uh, Jerusalem is filled with people uh, from all over the world. Have descended on Jerusalem because there's a festival going on. It's called the Festival of Weeks or Pentecost. Or uh, Hag, there is a, a, a Jewish name, Hag Shavuot is going on, which is... The original Pentecost. It's like a harvest festival. They also celebrate the giving of the law on this day. But they're also in Jerusalem. There's this, this it's one of the three pilgrim festivals where they have to come to Jerusalem to offer their uh, offering at the temple. And that's happening in Jerusalem. In the upper room, you've got 120 believers. Outside, you've got uh, kind of the, all these people from all over the world. Thousands and thousands of people. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit comes into that room where the people are praying. And it's fascinating because chapter 2 is broken up into three sections. I don't know if you've got it in your Bible. If you, if you open your Bible to Acts 2, you'll see there are three distinct sections. The first section uh, in my Bible, I've got the title, uh, The Holy Spirit Comes at Pentecost. It's a powerful section. When the Holy Spirit comes and there's fire and there's wind and there's a loud noise and there's, uh, there's power of God 
comes to that place. And lots of people, lots of preachers have preached on that first section of of Acts 2. And then if you go to the last section of chapter 2, my heading says the fellowship of the believers. It sounds like a bit like Lord of the Rings, doesn't it? The fellowship of the believers. And it's all about what that early church does. It's about how they respond to the Holy Spirit coming. And it says they... uh, Um, It says they devote themselves to fellowship. They devote themselves to breaking bread. They devote themselves to prayer. And they devote themselves to teaching. And that's the third section. And Fabiano is going to lead us in that section next week. But I've got the middle section. Okay. Now the middle section is not preached on quite so much. In fact, um, in my Bible, the title for this middle section is Peter Addresses the Crowd. Like, Peter gives a sermon. Peter talks for a bit. Like, yeah, it doesn't sound so exciting, but it is really exciting. Okay, uh, I'm going to talk about this right now, and it's really exciting. Peter addresses the crowd. Here we go. Um, I love what this represents. It represents Peter's transformation. And that's the thing. This moment when Peter is filled by the Holy Spirit, everything changes for him, and everything changes for the people uh, listening to him. And we're going to learn some timeless truths from this section today. Actually, here there. Uh, four things that we're going to learn is the Holy Spirit helps us by giving us kind of supernatural ability, supernatural courage, supernatural truth, and supernatural uh, synergy. So I'm going to read a bit, and then we're going to unpack it, and we're going to focus on these four ways. All right, so the disciples are there. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's noise like the, uh, the sound of a rushing wind. There's the tongues of fire on their heads. They, they kind of pour out of that room into the streets of Jerusalem. And it's all going a bit crazy. And they start talking. And they start talking in other languages. And this is like, this is a miracle. They start talking in tongues that are not their own. They're like speaking in um, in. Uh, languages from all over the world. Because Jerusalem is filled with people from all over the world who can suddenly understand these guys. And they haven't learned this language. This is is a very unusual sign. It would like uh, me suddenly starting to speak German to you right now. Now, I can't speak German. I did German GCSE and I got an F. I'm so bad at German. But if I stood up here and I started to say to you, Wie ich am besten zum Rathaus? Or, Entschuldigung, ich habe nicht verstanden. I look German, I know. And now when I speak German, I sound it. Or if I said to you, Ich möchte ein Stück Schwarzwälder Kirschtorte. You're wondering what I said, right? No, 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 I spoke German. The first thing I said was, Can you show me the way to the town hall? That's the only thing I remember. All right. Very useful. The second thing I said was, I'm sorry, I have not understood, um, which was really, really helpful in my German oral exam. I remember that clearly. That's what I said for the whole exam. And the third thing I said was, I would really like a piece of Black Forest Gatto. Okay? German 101, right there. That's all you need. You can find the town hall, you can ask for some cake, and you can say you haven't understood. (laughs) All right, so all these people come out of the room and they all start speaking these other languages and, and they say, well, we can understand them. But that's not really the miracle we're after. That's just a sign. It doesn't, you know, they're not starting to speak, speak truth at the moment. They're just speaking praise to God. The miracle is about to happen when Peter kind of takes, suddenly they've got their attention on them and he starts to speak the truth. He starts to address the crowd, and he explains what's happening. 
And I just, I was thinking about Peter. You know, they're, they're all there. All the believers are there talking in these languages. And Peter stands there and he says, he opens his mouth and he starts to talk. And I wonder if he has any clue what he's about to say. Yeah. I don't think he does. I don't think he's prepared a speech. I think he's there. And he's thinking, I've got to say something right now. And he starts to talk. And what comes out is, is kind of miraculous. This is where the real, real miracle is. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you, where you've been in a situation where you're talking to somebody there, struggling with an issue, they've got a problem, and suddenly for you it's like a light has come on. And suddenly you, you kind of know what they should do. And it's not you, you know, gosh, this is supernatural. I, that's the Holy Spirit, that's the helper working in you. In fact, Jesus said uh, uh, himself to the disciples, he said, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit will prepare you in advance. So the Holy Spirit, in that moment, when you find yourself in that moment, if you can be attuned to the Holy Spirit, if you can be attuned to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say in that moment. And that's what happens to Peter. And it's like a light comes on. It's like, it's like that scene in, in uh, The Wizard of Oz. Suddenly, it's been black and white for 20 minutes. You know, the whole, I don't know if you know the film, the original black, you know, 1939 movie. The audience were used to seeing black and white films, and the, the film starts in black and white for the first 20 minutes. And then suddenly, when, when the house is spun in the tornado, it lands in Oz, and she opens the door, and then it's color. And she walks through, and suddenly the whole screen fills with color. And if you've read extracts from, uh, from audience members who were there at the time and for the first time saw this color, it says there were gasps in the, in the cinemas. And, and they started, actually some people started to weep because they'd never seen this on the screen. And it, this is what it's like, but suddenly the Holy Spirit is empowering you. It's like color. Black and white turning to color. It starts in verse 14. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11. Oh, gone forward too much. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose, let me explain that. Uh, they've been out in the streets, they've been speaking these other languages, and the people who don't really know what's going on have said, oh, they've obviously been drinking, they've obviously been on the source. And it's like, no, no, they're not drunk. These people are not drunk as you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. Come after lunch and then you'll... No, it doesn't say that. Uh, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So right from the outset, Peter acknowledges that we're in the last days. We're in this era that the, the, the days have suddenly changed from the former days to the last days. And you may think to yourself, well, surely that can't be the last days if it was like 2,000 years ago and nothing has changed since then. It is. We're still in the last days. We're still in this day. The days that we're in are the last days. And in fact, Jesus addresses this, or the Bible addresses this, when he says, uh, to God, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. We're in the last days. And I believe that Jesus will return soon. I really do. But we're in the last days, and Peter says, in the last days, God says, 
I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. This is not an exclusive thing. On all people. It's no longer, because if you, the Spirit comes in the, in, if you read the Bible in the Old Testament, the Spirit came on specific people for specific times for specific, specific purposes. And at times the Holy Spirit says left people. It came and it went. We see that uh, in the Old Testament. But here it's saying, no, 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 this is different. This is a different thing. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you and it's going to come on, it's going to be available to everyone, on men, on women, on servants, on highborn, on lowborn. It's not just for the elite. This is for everyone. And you'll be able to uh, prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm starting to dream more dreams these days. It says, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And then that, that statement, everyone, this is the big statement, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is for everyone. This is a message, this is the gospel, this is the good news, and it's for everyone. Peter then carries on uh, talking, and he starts to tell the crowd about Jesus. He reminds them who Jesus was and what he did uh, in front of them. He says, you saw what he did, you saw the miracles. He reminds them that they killed him and that Jesus resurrected. Uh, he also pulls in more Jewish scriptures. He pulls in from Psalms, uh, Psalm 16 and Psalm 110. He delivers this message, and it's... It's nothing like the Peter we're used to. If you've read the Gospels, you know what Peter's like. He's not like this. He's the impetuous. He's headstrong. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. He's always getting it wrong. But here, he's a different man altogether. This is the man who, who Jesus said, On this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. He doesn't like much at the moment. But let me tell you, this guy's name is Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, oh, this guy's going to do some amazing things. And this is the work of the helper. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in him. So four ways that we see the Holy Spirit helping Peter. The Holy Spirit helped Peter and helps us by giving him a supernatural ability. What did Peter need in this moment? He needed the ability to communicate on another level. He needed the ability to speak like Jesus spoke. He needed the ability to draw the crowd in. This was a predominantly Jewish crowd, Jewish converts. And he was able to draw them in. That's what he needed to do to communicate in a way that would um, resonate with them. He was able to draw on prophetic scriptures from the Jewish scriptures. The ability to fulfill the mission he'd been given to make disciples, to be a witness. And this is... What the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit gives us ability. We see it again a lot in Scripture. He gave, you know, the Spirit came on David, on Saul, on uh, Elijah. Uh, he came on Joshua, on Gideon, on Samson. Um, in Exodus, we read uh, this. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, from the tribe of Judah. I have filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God and have given him the skill 
ability and knowledge to do all kinds of work. He is able to design pieces to be made from gold, silver, and bronze to cut jewels and to put them in metal and to carve wood and to do all kinds of work. So this is actually the Holy Spirit giving somebody the ability to do practical stuff. They needed to build uh, the tabernacle. They needed to build all the implements. And, and, and God just put his spirit on this guy Bezalel and said, now this guy has got the ability through the Holy Spirit to do some amazing things. Paul, talking to the church in Corinth, talking about the Holy Spirit, says this, the Holy Spirit is given to each of us in a special way that is for the good of all. It's not just, we don't get ability just so we can feel better about ourselves. We get the ability so, uh, for the common good, it says, so that we can help the other people. To some people, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others, the same Spirit gives a message of knowledge. To others, the same Spirit gives faith. To others, that one Spirit gives gifts of healing. To others, He gives the power to do miracles. To others, He gives the ability to prophesy. To others, He gives the ability to tell the spirits apart. To others, He gives the ability to speak in different kinds of of languages they had not known before. And to still others, He gives the ability to explain what was said in those languages. All the gifts are produced by one and the same Spirit. He gives these gifts to each person just as he decides. The Holy Spirit is our helper and he wants to help us by giving us abilities, supernatural abilities. Okay, the second thing the Holy Spirit gives us is courage. Peter needed courage. If you remember back a few weeks before on the night when Jesus is actually getting whipped and tortured, where's Peter? He's in the courtyard. He's in the courtyard round a fire and and somebody suddenly asks him, weren't you with him? Weren't you one of the ones with Jesus? And what does he say? Uh -uh, Not me. He's fearful. He's fearful of being picked out, of of them finding out that he was one of the guys who was with, with Jesus. And three times he denies Jesus. And he hates himself for it. But his fear... The fear that he's holding on to is causing him to make decisions. Now, I'm sure that Peter, on the day of Pentecost, still has fear in him. I'm sure he's afraid. Because courage, you know what? It's not the lack of fear. If you don't have fear, you don't need courage. You know? Courage is when you have the fear, when you're feeling afraid, but you step out anyway. And why would you step out? Because the Holy Spirit is with him. Jesus, or God says to Joshua in the Old Testament, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's the difference. We can have courage because the Lord your God is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. And later on in Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they've caused a bit of an uproar in Jerusalem, another uproar. And the authorities pull them in, the religious authorities, they pull them in and they tell them off and they say, look, you need to stop preaching about Jesus. You've got to stop doing it. Otherwise, you're going to get into a whole heap of trouble. What does Peter do? He goes back to the other disciples, the other believers, and this is the prayer that they make in Acts chapter 4. He says, now, Lord, consider their threats. All right? They've been making threats against us. We're feeling it. So consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The helper is there to give us courage. To be bold in our life, in our faith. That's what the helper's for. Give us ability, give us courage. The third thing, the helper, the Holy Spirit gives us uh, truth. 
It gives us truth. The Holy Spirit filled Peter. Sorry, the Holy Spirit filled Peter with truth. And also the ability to handle the truth effectively. So he's standing in front of this crowd. He's reminding them what they did to uh, Jesus. He says, Jesus was a man accredited to you, uh, sorry, accredited to you by God, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He says to them, I'm not lying to you here. You know who this Jesus was. You've heard about Jesus. Maybe you saw the miracles that he did. I'm speaking the truth to you. And you know what? Speaking the truth is a great foundation to build on. Lies will get found out ultimately. If you ever try, if you ever lied to somebody, you end up having to tell more and more lies to, to reinforce that lie you initially made. And it, will all, it all comes apart. Whereas speaking truth, and you know what? Our world needs truth. John 16, again, Jesus talking before he dies to his disciples says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And we need truth in the world right now. There's so much madness in this world right now. This week, I was reading a a new story about schools where, you know, even primary schools where children are identifying as cats and moons and holograms and all sorts of, and the teacher is, is encouraging this, and it's just, man, why are you letting children be damaged by, by lying? We are made in God's image. We are made in God's image. We are human beings made in God's image. We need to speak the truth. We need courage. We need ability. We need truth. Romans 1.25, Paul again writing, says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. The Holy Spirit will show us the way into truth. Finally, number four, the last thing. We're nearly done. Synergy. The Holy Spirit helps us by giving us Synergy. So we know that the Holy Spirit moved on Peter. We see that much is obvious. He's changed. He's completely transformed. He's a completely different guy. We know that the Holy Spirit moves on the believers because they're all speaking in these languages that they don't know. Like there's power there. There's ability there that they don't have. But let me tell you also that the Holy Spirit is not just confining himself to Peter and the believers. The Holy Spirit is working on the crowd as well. The Holy Spirit is moving on the hearts of the people. That's what the Holy Spirit does on the people uh, listening. Because the Holy Spirit can create synergy between the person talking and the person listening. Uh, John 16 again, when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And in this moment, when Peter is preaching to the crowd, um, it says that when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And this is not just because because of Peter's words. This is because the Holy Spirit is moving on them in in a powerful way. The Holy Spirit becomes a filter for Peter's words. And then at the end of this section, verse 41, it's a great ending. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. From 120 believers in a room to 3,120. All in one day. 
baptized as well. I don't know how they did that. How did they baptize 3,000 people in one day? That's a miracle right there. Um, and it's possible because the Holy Spirit was there and being their help. It's supernatural. And I'm wondering, what would be possible in my life and in your life and in the life of this church if we were to activate the Holy Spirit in us, if we were to allow him to give us these abilities, if we were to ask him for ability, for courage, for truth, and for synergy, to start cooperating more and more, to do what Paul says, which is walk with the Holy Spirit daily, to walk with him, to listen to his voice, to recognize what he's saying us, when he's telling us, and to be obedient to his instructions in our lives. What would be possible? Anything is possible with the right help. Anything is possible. This church went from 120 to over 3,000 people in one day with the right help. Anything is possible with the right help. Really, I know I've called the message activating help, but what it really is is activating possibilities. You can dream. You can start to dream about what might be possible in your own life in the life of this church. And why can we dream? We can dream because we have the helper in us. We have the helper with us who wants to guide us into all truth. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us this morning. I want to pray that as we make a commitment to follow the Holy Spirit's prompting that we would see him move not just sometime in the future but we'd see him move in our lives today we would see a shift today maybe there's a shift in perspective that's needed the Holy Spirit can help you with that maybe there's a shift in in the way you feel about something. Maybe you just need courage. Maybe you're feeling fear about some situation and it's causing you to, to pull back. Or the Holy Spirit can help you to move forward. Maybe there's a, a shift, uh, there's lies that are going on in your world and you know that they're there and you need the courage to speak the truth. The Holy Spirit can help you with that. Maybe you're, you're here and you haven't committed your life to you. Maybe you have been stirred today, just like this crowd was, just like this crowd were cut to the heart. Maybe you come into this building today and, and you haven't given your life to Jesus, but there is something here and you're thinking to yourself, what should I do? What can I do with this feeling? That's the Holy Spirit moving on you. And what you need to do, just like... Peter said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel is, is level ground. We're all, we're all the same. We're all, we're all sinners. Paul writing to the Roman church says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you know what? Sometimes churches have been all judgmental and holier than thou. We don't have any right to be judgmental towards anybody. We don't have that right. Because we were in just as need as much as the next man. We're all sinned. We've all fallen short of his glory. 
And what we've done is we've just activated his grace in our lives by calling on the name of the Lord, giving our lives to him. And if, that, if you're this, here this morning and you would like to do that, you would like to make that response, or you'd like to find out how to call on the name of the Lord, how to respond to Jesus this morning, then at the end, I'm going to be here and Fru's going to be here. We'll, we'd love to talk with you about what that means. But for now, we're just going to pray that we'd have a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to do this this morning, it would be good to just put your hands in a, in a posture of receiving, ready to receive this morning, because the Holy Spirit wants to come on you today. And I'm just going to make a prayer, and you can pray this in your heart as well. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you promised us another helper, one, a helper who is like you, uh, Lord, who would be with us permanently. And this morning, God, we need more of you. We need help, God. We need help to navigate this thing called life. We need help to, uh, to live life to all its fullness, the life in all its fullness that you promised we could live. And I pray today that as we, as we learn to recognize the Holy Spirit's voice, as we receive the Holy Spirit's power in us, that we would have the ability that we need. We would have the courage that we need. We would speak the truth that we need to speak and there would be synergy in our world as we speak that truth to others. That we would become the witnesses you're looking for. That we would become uh, uh, holders of the great commission that you called us to be. To go and make disciples, Lord God. Through the help of the Holy Spirit this morning. Thank you that with the right help anything is possible, Lord God. And when the Holy Spirit helps us, even the impossible is possible. Jesus, we submit to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.